What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylari. So I just recorded an episode on the Red Sox, talked about how they've been playing as of late, previewed their series against the Mets, and then also talked about the Angels and their sweep of the New York Yankees, talked about the Yankees and their struggles, and then I talked about the Angels and their situation right now with Shohei Otani and the decision of whether or not they're going to trade him. So now I'm going to give you a breakdown of the trade deadline to give you my predictions with just about a week and a half ago till the trade deadline. The trade deadline is August 1st, so just about 10 days from now is the trade deadline. So I'm going to give you my predictions, and I'll take a look into which teams should be sellers, which teams should be buyers, and which teams right now are currently in the middle. So I'll give you a breakdown of all of that in just one second. So let's start off with buyers. Which teams should be buyers at the trade deadline 10 days from now? Well, it's pretty easy. If you look at the start of the standings, in the National League, in the American League, look at the, te- the teams that are in the playoffs right now. All of those teams typically end up being buyers of the trade deadline. Whether or not they want to mortgage their entire farm system in future to try to make a run, that might not be the case for every team. But every team's in the playoff race right now that holds a playoff spot, they'll all be somewhat buyers, if not big buyers, at the trade deadline. So if you look at it, Atlanta, Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Texas, the Los Angeles Dodgers, Milwaukee Brewers, Houston, San Francisco, Arizona, Toronto, Philadelphia, Miami, and Cincinnati. All of those teams should be buyers. So now of those teams that I listed that should be buyers of the trade deadline, there are a few that really stand out to me that have a legitimate chance of winning the World Series and making a run. And we'll start off with Atlanta. Obviously the favorite right now, a team that's definitely going to make a deep run in the postseason, they're going to be one of the biggest buyers in the trade market. They're not going to ever trade major league pieces and not get value back on their current roster. They're going to trade pieces in their farm system to add to their current roster. They're not going to trade any guys on their major league roster. They're going for it all right now to win a World Series. Baltimore, a team that nobody really expected to be this good this year. I thought they'd make a step up, maybe not be as good as they are right now. I thought they'd take a step up, and I thought maybe next season, the year after that, would be when they really hit their stride. But this is a team that legitimately can make a run in the AL. Baltimore can make a run in the American League. And imagine this team, once they start spending money in free agency, with all the top prospects they have, and if they start spending money, I mean, they're just going to be unstoppable. They have the number one prospect in the game of baseball right now in Jackson Holiday. He'll probably be up next season. He's in double-A right now. And then they have seven other top 100 prospects. Seven other top 100 prospects in the top 100 on MajorLeagueBaseball.com. They have eight top 100 prospects. So the Orioles are in a window right now where they can win right now and compete and then have an even better chance in the future, in the next two to three years. They're going to dominate the American League for years to come. I'm excited to see what the Orioles look like in a couple seasons once they start spending money like they did in 2015 and 2016. Once they start spending money in free agency like they did back in the day with Manny Machado and Adam Jones and all those guys, this team's going to be really, really good. And so at the trade deadline, I think if they add one more person in their starting rotation, one more decent starter, which they need a top end of the rotation starting pitcher, which they're probably not going to really go out and get since they don't want to mortgage their future completely. If they could add, though, let's say, ideally, a number two or number three starter in their rotation and maybe add another power bat in that lineup, that team's going to definitely make a run in the AL. Next up, we have Tampa Bay. Have been cold as of late. They definitely could make a run, though, and make it to the World Series. Texas. I think the team that wins the American League as of now. I still think they have the best roster in the American League, even with Jacob DeGrom hurt for the rest of the season. I like them to make a run. The Dodgers and then the Houston Astros. The Dodgers have one of the most talented rosters in the game of baseball. They've been struggling with injuries all year. I think if they get Walker Buehler back and maybe add another pitcher to their starting rotation, I think they'll be all right. 
And then the Houston Astros haven't hurt just about all season. They're just starting to get some players back, and we'll have some more back after the trade deadline. So they're going to make a run as well. So those are my six teams that I ideally could see win the World Series. Four of them being in the American League, and then two in the National League. Of those six teams, I have the least amount of confidence in the Tampa Bay Rays. I think this team started the year off very hot, like I just said, but I don't really see this team beating Texas in the playoffs. I think even Houston would beat them in the playoffs, and I think Baltimore would as well. I don't really have as much confidence in the Tampa Bay Rays as most people do, but I think they are still a top six team that could win the World Series, though. So at the end of the day, they're going to be buys in the trade deadline, of course, and definitely try to make a run. They definitely need more pitching, though, if they want to do that. So those are teams I think should be buyers. Who should be a seller but will be a buyer? And the one team that comes to mind when I ask that question is the New York Yankees. And the reason I think this team should be sellers of the trade deadline is because of everything I just listed in the episode I just recorded 10 minutes ago. The Yankees' starting lineup without Aaron Judge is putrid. They've been struggling all season without him. But I think even with him in that lineup, idling that offense is good enough to make a run in the postseason. Yes, Garrett Cole is an ace and has looked awesome this year and definitely keep you in a playoff game. But the rest of the starting pitching has struggled. Luis Severino's gotten lit up. Carlos Rodon's gotten lit up at his three starts. And now Jose Trevino, the starting catcher for the Yankees, is out for the rest of the season. And if you look at it, the Yankees right now are dead last in the American League East, are 2-8 in the last 10 games, 8-12 and 12 in the last 20 games, and still are without Aaron Judge. And I think even with Aaron Judge back in this lineup, I don't think he could save this team where they currently stand. I think the Yankees should be sellers at the trade deadline, but they ultimately probably be buyers at the trade deadline, even though I think if I was the GM of the Yankees, I would be selling. I don't think this team has what it takes to make a run. Next up is the New York Mets. The highest payroll in the game of baseball this year and the biggest disappointment in the game of baseball as well. If I was the GM of the Mets, I would be selling at this trade deadline. I would be selling. I don't think this team, where they currently stand, being so far back in the wild card race right now in the National League, I don't think they can make a run in the National League. I don't think they can make up for their poor start to the season. I think they're currently seven games out of the wild card in the National League, which is a lot. And if you look at it, they still have a tough schedule with the rest of the schedule remaining. They still have to play Atlanta and Miami. I think it's 14 combined games between those two teams. And even though you can make up some ground on Miami maybe in those games head-to-head, I still think it's too much for them to make a run in the National League. So what would I do at the trade deadline if I was the GM of the Mets? Right now, they're probably in the middle. They're still hoping for a Hail Mary, and I'm sure they're going to wait to see how they do the next week to determine whether or not they're going to trade pieces at the deadline. But what I would do is trade expiring contracts. David Robinson, Adam Modavino, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, both of them still have one year left on their deals. I believe Max Scherzer is a player option for this next season uh, coming up. I would think about trading one of those two pieces between Scherzer and Verlander. I would trade one of those two pieces. I think it would be the smart move for this Mets team. They have the highest payroll in baseball this year and the most underperforming team in the game of baseball. The New York Yankees, the second highest payroll in the game of baseball, and have found themselves in a hole without Aaron Judge. I think the Yankees and Mets both should be sellers of the trade deadline. I think the Mets will end up selling all their expiring contracts like David Robinson, Adam Adovino, Tommy Pham, Makana. I think a lot of those pieces will be gone to the trade deadline. What would I do, though, if I was a GM? I would get rid of those pieces, and then I would think about trading 
but one of the pieces between Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. Next up, who should be a seller of the trade deadline? Now it's a little bit easier. The Cubs, the Tigers, the Pirates, the White Sox, the Nationals, the Rockies, the Royals, the Athletics, the Cardinals. All of those teams should be sellers at the trade deadline, including the Yankees and the Mets. I also threw them in there. The Yankees, I think, will be buyers, but they should be sellers. And the Mets, I think, are in the middle between selling expiring pieces, but not really trying to make a run with the return they're going to get on those expiring contracts. So I think the Mets will be in the middle. I would sell if I was the Mets, though. And what I mean by sell is trade one of the pieces between Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. I would trade one of those two guys. I think if you look at this Yankees team, they will be buyers, as I said. But they're 18 and 19 without Aaron Judge on the year, without him in the lineup. Nesta Cortez is hurt. Josh Donaldson just landed himself on the 60-day IL with a calf injury. He's been poor this year as well, but he's out now for a couple months. Anthony Rizzo has struggled without Aaron Judge in the lineup. Rizzo's hitting 158 in his last 34 games with a 200 slugging percentage, a 484 OPS, no home runs, and seven runs batted in in his last 34 games. He has a 195 slugging percentage since June 1st. If you look at what Rizzo was doing before Judge got hurt, he was great in 55 games, had a 297 batting average, a 491 slugging percentage, an 858 OPS, 11 home runs, and 32 runs batted in. He has not hit a home run, though, without Aaron Judge in the lineup. In his last 34 games, no home runs and just seven runs batted in. I think this Yankees team should be selling at the deadline. And so now it brings the question of who should be in the middle. And I think when you look at the middle, it means... Sometimes it means how you perform over the next week before the trade deadline. And then it also means, do you get back a fair return? There will be teams that will be shopping pieces, let's say like Justin Verlander, where they're going to be selling at the deadline, they're expiring contracts, and then if they get a good return, they might trade Verlander or Scherzer if they like a return. If the Mets say, oh yeah, we really like that offer and that package, they might pull the trigger and get rid of Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer. So what I mean by the middle is, it could depend on how the team performs over the next week, to determine whether or not the team will be a seller or a buyer at the trade deadline, or being stuck in the middle. But as of right now, the definition of the middle is a San Diego Padres. I think they'll end up being buyers at the trade deadline. I don't think they're going to sell any big names like Blake Snell or Juan Soto. And I think they're going to try for the Hail Mary. But where they stand right now is the middle. They're still fielding offers on Blake Snell. They might even be fielding offers on Juan Soto. Who knows? But at the same time, they're going to try for the Hail Mary. They're in the middle. And they're going to see how they perform over the next week. I think they're going to end up being biased at the trade deadline. And I think they keep all of their big names. But they're in the middle right now. And I don't think this team can make up all the ground in the National League to make a run in the playoffs. This team put themselves in a big hole in the first half of the season, just like the New York Mets. Two teams that have disappointed in the National League this year. Another team that's in the middle, the Boston Red Sox. I think they'll end up being biased, in my eyes at least. But it could depend on how they perform over the next week or so, starting with this series tonight against the Mets. Next up is the Los Angeles Angels, a team that I think will end up being buyers at the trade deadline. And I think if you look at their schedule going into the trade deadline, that's the best schedule you'd want going into the trade deadline if you're Adi Moreno. You have an easier schedule going into the trade deadline, can make up some ground in the AL wildcard race, and give yourself a reason to keep Shohei Otani on the Angels for an extra half of a season. And I said just 10 minutes ago when I recorded, I think if the Angels don't think they can keep Shohei Otani 
after this season ends and they don't think he's going to come back no matter what, I would trade him at the deadline. But if you have somewhat of a hope, a 5%, 10% hope that he would come back to the Angels if he made a run in the postseason this year, I would keep him. Because if you trade him away, you're not getting him back in free agency. That's a reality. If you can make a run in this postseason, which even though it's still a long shot, if you can make somewhat of a run and keep Otani happy enough to keep him on a long-term contract, I think it'd be worth keeping him at the deadline. If you trade him, he's gone. He's not coming back in free agency. So with the Angels' easy schedule going into the trade deadline, I think this team's going to win some games over the next week. I think they'll keep Otani past the trade deadline and try to make a run and maybe even be buyers to some degree at the deadline. Another team that's in the middle, the Seattle Mariners. Right now they're in the mix in the AL wildcard race. I think they're in the middle. What I would do as a Mariners, I don't think this team could make a run, but at the same time, you never know. You can't really ever count a team out. So even though I'm saying some teams should be in the middle or some teams should be buyers, you never know if a team gets hot in August and September and makes a run. But where the Mariners stand right now, they're still in the thick of things. So I think they'll be in the middle. In the middle meaning they may buy a little and not really give up too much. They're not going to mortgage their whole future, but they'll be somewhat of a buyer at the deadline. But they might see how they do over the next week or so to see whether or not they want to go fully in and be big buyers. Another team, the Cleveland Guardians. Another team that's in the playoff mix because of how poor the AL Central is this year. They probably end up doing... A little bit each way like Minnesota. Minnesota's another team. Same thing in the AL Central, a poor division. And I think both of these teams, Minnesota and Cleveland, end up being a little bit of a buyer at the deadline and a little bit of a seller. Meaning they're going to sell maybe some expiring contracts, maybe try to get some pieces back to make somewhat of a run. But I don't think they go all in. So what I mean by the middle here for Cleveland and Minnesota is they're going to be biased, but I don't think they believe in either one of these teams to make a run in the American League. And that's why I don't think they end up being big buyers at the deadline. So I put them in the middle. Maybe they see how they perform over the next week to see whether or not they want to go and get a big piece. I don't think either one of these teams do so. I think they both end up being somewhat of a buyer at the deadline, but not too big of one. So I don't put them as a guaranteed buyer. I put them in the middle. And with all this being said, you have to keep in mind, it is possible for a team to make a run at this point in the season, even if they're not a playoff favorite right now, even if they're not a World Series contender right now, it is possible a team heats up in August and September and makes a run. At this point in the season, on July 21st of 2019, the Washington Nationals were 52-46 and and won the World Series, just six games over 500. At this point of the season, on July 21st, 2021, the Braves were 46-49, and three games under 500, and they won the World Series. At this point of the season, on July 21st, 2022, so just a year ago from today, the Philadelphia Phillies are 49-43, six games over 500, and won the National League pennant. And as of today, on July 21st, 2023, the Boston Red Sox are 51-46, five games over 500. The New York Mets are 45-51, six games under 500. The Angels are 49-48, one game over 500. The New York Yankees are 50 and 47, three games over 500. And the San Diego Padres are 46 and 51, five games under 500. So, the point I'm making with this stat there, there, where I broke down where every single team stood over the last few years that made a run that no one really expected, is that any of these teams that I've named could potentially go and make a run in the postseason. The Red Sox, the Mets, the Angels, the Yankees, the Padres, they all may be long shots right now, but they all could go and make a run. I think as of right now, I think the Mets and Yankees should be sellers. I think the Red Sox and Angels should be buyers. The reason I think the Red Sox should be buyers at the trade deadline 
is because Garrett Whitlock will be back at some point. Ten Hoke, Chris Sale, Trevor Story, John Schreiber will all be back for the Red Sox. And I know that's a lazy narrative to wait for injured players to come back healthy. But the reality of the situation is, with that team coming back, they're very capable of winning a series or two in the American League if they make the playoffs. Chris Sale looks like the ace he was in his first few years with the Red Sox and his whole career with the White Sox early in this season. He looked like the Chris Sale of old. Trevor Story has the capability of coming in and making this Red Sox lineup even better. We're definitely better defensively at shortstop than Kike Hernandez was all year. Credit to Yu Chang, though. He's been very good defensively. John Schreiber would help the bullpen. Garrett Whitlock, Tanner Houck would help the rotation. The Red Sox only have three starting pitchers right now. Cutter Crawford, James Paxton, and Brian Bayo. Whitlock, Houck, and Seal would be huge for this Red Sox rotation. Through 93 games in 2022, the Red Sox are 48-45. Last year, they stood 48-45 through 93 games. A lineup that had Xander Bogats, J.D. Martinez, and also a Nate Evaldi in the starting rotation, even though he was hurt for some of last season. The Sox this year, through 93 games, were 49-44. and 44. They were a game better, even with all the injuries they've had, and without Xander Bogats, J.D. Martinez, and Nate Evaldi. Last year, they should have sold at the trade deadline, and I wanted them to sell at the trade deadline. They didn't really do so. They were in the middle, buying some expiring contracts like Tommy Pham, and choosing not to sell Nate Evaldi, Xander Bogats, or J.D. Martinez. They traded Jake Diekman, also traded Christian Vasquez, and they got Tommy Pham. They got Eric Cosmer as well from San Diego. So they did a little bit of buying and a little bit of selling at the deadline. Selling Jake Diekman, getting back Reese McGuire, getting rid of Christian Vasquez. He was an expiring contract. They did a little bit of buying and selling, but they should have ultimately traded Xander Bogats, J.D. Martinez, and Nate Evaldi. But this team... Right now where they stand, I think with all the injured players coming back and maybe they add another piece or two at the deadline, whether or not it's big, I think the injured players coming back should definitely make a difference. And I know that's a lazy narrative people don't want to hear, but the reality is Chris Sale looked great before he got hurt. Trevor Story coming back would make this Red Sox lineup even better. Garrett Whitlock, Tanner Houck could definitely strengthen the rotation. At least you don't even open a two games a week. And John Schreiber was great last year for the Red Sox for the most part in relief. So I want this Red Sox team to buy at the deadline. Why not go and try? But with that being said, I don't want the Red Sox to sell their future and get rid of, let's say, Marcelo Meyer or trade a piece like Jaron Duran, Tristan Casas, Cutter Crawford. I don't want them to really trade any of their young pieces, like Ten Hoek even, for an example. I don't want them to go all in like that and trade pieces like Nick York or Marcelo Meyer, but I want them to buy a little bit of the deadline. Maybe sell some of the lower prospects, middle prospects, get back a fourth starter for the rotation, get back a bullpen piece, maybe get back another infielder as well. I want to do moves like that. Improve the roster, but not too much. We are mortgaging your whole future. Because I think with the pieces coming back, like Trevor Story, John Schreiber, Chris Sale, Tanner Howe, Garrett Whitlock, I think they're all going to make a difference into big ads after the deadline's over. So now I'm going to move into my final segment, which is the main segment of the episode. And I'm going to play a game called Red Light, Yellow Light, Green Light. Red light means I don't think this player will be traded. Yellow means it could be a wait and see how the team performs over the next week. Or it could mean if an offer is undeniable, a team could potentially shop that player. Green means I think the team should trade the player or he will likely be traded. So let's start off with all of the top players available. And I'm going to give you a rundown of some fielders and then I'll give you pitches as well at the end. So red light means they won't be traded in my eyes. Yellow means it could be a wait and see how the team performs over the next week before the trade deadline. 
It could also mean a team's going to wait and see if there's an undeniable offer where they'll say, we're not shopping the guy, but if we get back an offer we like in return for, let's say, Shane Bieber, we'll move him. And green means the player will likely be traded at the deadline. So let's start off with the first player, and that's Tim Anderson, shortstop for the Chicago White Sox. A down year for Tim Anderson. He's a typical 300 hitter every single year. Very good shortstop as well. Hitting just 231 on the year with no home runs and a 540 OPS. Each of the last four seasons, though, heading into this one, he was a 300 hitter. He's very capable of that. Just struggled in the first half of the season this year. A two-time All-Star with an expiring deal. I think he has moved at the deadline. I think he could potentially be packaged with Lucas Giolito on a deal to the Dodgers. So there's my prediction. I think he is traded. I'm going to give Tim Anderson a green light. Nolan Arenado, third baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals, red light. I don't think the Cardinals will move him. I think they end up holding on to him. Arenado has been terrific on the year. 21 home runs, 288 batting average, 72 runs batted in, and 866 OPS. An eight-time All-Star, a five-time Silver Slugger, a 10-time Gold Glove. I don't think he's dealt at the deadline. The earliest he can be a free agent is in 2028. I don't think the Cardinals move him. I think they hold on to him. And some of these stats I'm going to list, some of these I wrote down yesterday and some of them I got down today. So some of them might be just a day off since I did some of these yesterday and then some I did just before this episode. Paul Goldschmidt, first baseman, St. Louis Cardinals. I think he's another player that the Cardinals will hold on to. So red light on Goldschmidt. 2022 NL MVP, still has one more year left of control. He's got 16 home runs on the year, a 284 batting average with a 49 RBI total and an 843 OPS. I think he will stay in St. Louis. Cody Bellinger, outfielder, Chicago Cubs, green light. I think he has moved at the deadline. 12 home runs, a 311 batting average, 35 runs batted in, 12 stolen bases, and 894 OPS. What a great recovery season on a one year deal for Cody Bellinger, the former MVP. Was struggling over the last three years with the Dodgers. Signs a one-year deal in the offseason with the Cubs and revives his career. Very happy for him. He's on an expiring deal. I think he'll be traded at the deadline. If where I think Bellinger is going to end up, I was stuck between two teams, Milwaukee and San Francisco. I ended up picking San Francisco as the destination for Cody Bellinger. I think San Francisco right now, they're on the border of making the playoffs or missing it. But I think this team's a lot better than what their record shows right now, even though they've been struggling to score some runs as of late. I think this team could make a postseason run. They have two very good starting pitches in Alex Cobb and then Logan Webb. And then they also have a decent bullpen as well that's been performing well uh, over the last few months, even though they struggled early in the season, I believe. They have been doing better as of late. They do need to add power to that lineup, though. No one really is that great of a power hitter in that lineup. So I think if you add Cody Bounder, it definitely helps. I think San Francisco is going to be aggressive at the trade deadline. That's why I have them landing Cody Bounder. I was close to saying Milwaukee. Milwaukee does need to add offense to their lineup. They're currently 26th as a team in Team OPS with the 687 Team OPS on the year. So they need to add offense, but I have San Francisco ultimately landing Cody Bellinger at the trade deadline. So next up is Dylan Carlson, an outfielder for the St. Louis Cardinals, and he's under contract for another three seasons. He's not a free agent until 2027, so I doubt St. Louis would move him on the season. He has five home runs, a 236 batting average, 21 runs batted in, a 710 OPS. I'm going to go yellow light here for Dylan Carlson. I think they end up holding on to him since he has three years left on his deal, but maybe if they get a deal that they're stunned by and they can't deny, maybe they end up moving him. Even though he has struggled on the year, there still is three years left on his contract, so I think they'll hold on to him, unless the right deal does appear. Next up is another St. Louis Cardinal, that is shortstop Paul DeYoung. He's on an expiring deal. 12 home runs, a 238 batting average, 30 runs batted in, and a 731 OPS on the year for DeYoung. 
He hit 197 and 157 each of the last two seasons. He has been better this year at the plate, hitting 238 for batting average. The Dodgers will land a shortstop at the trade deadline. Maybe Paul DeYoung is the guy if they don't land Tim Anderson. But as of now, I have Tim Anderson going to the Dodgers. So that means San Francisco will be the team that I have landing Paul DeYoung at the trade deadline. So next up is Andrew McCutcheon, an outfielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates. 36-year-old, he is a free agent after the season ends, so he's on an expiring deal, which makes him an attractive trade piece. He has 10 home runs, a 266 batting average, a 28 RBI total, the 797 OPS, and 9 stolen bases on the season. This season is actually his best batting average since 2017. He has a 266 batting average on the year. He hit 27 home runs just two years ago in 2021, so he still has ability and some pop in his bat. I have the Philadelphia Phillies trading for him at the deadline. He was a Philly just a few years ago, and I have them landing him yet again at the trade deadline. Next up is Joan Makata, a third baseman for the Chicago White Sox. He has one more year of control on his contract. The former number one overall prospect hasn't really had a great season, just three home runs, a 232 batting average, a 648 OPS. Maybe Tampa Bay is the team that trades from if he is traded at the deadline. They are looking for more middle infielders there. And Makata did play a lot of second base and shortstop in his career. He's the third base for the most part this season, but he can't play second base. So Tampa Bay would be an attractive destination for him if they were to trade for him. I'm going to go yellow light on Makata, though. I'm not sure Chicago will trade him since he has one year left on his deal. I'm going to go green light on Andrew McCutcheon, green light on Paul DeYoung, and yellow light on Dylan Carlson. Just wanted to run over them again just in case I missed any player. So next up is Tyler O'Neill, an outfielder for the St. Louis Cardinals. I have a green light on Tyler O'Neill. He does have one more year left of control. He has been a longtime Cardinal since 2017, just like Paul DeYoung. I think the Cardinals could be like the Cubs from a few years ago, where they split up all of their core pieces and just start trading pieces left and right that are on expiring deals. I think they'll end up keeping Arenado and Goldschmidt, but I do think Tyler O'Neill will be moved at the deadline. Like I said with the Cubs, a few years ago, they traded Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javi Baez at the trade deadline and really just split up their entire core. I think the St. Louis Cardinals going to be a fire sale just like that, but I do think they do hold on to the two big pieces there in Arenado and Goldschmidt. So it's not the exact same as Chicago trading those big three pieces, but they did trade a lot of longtime pieces there at the trade deadline a few years ago, and I think St. Louis is going to do a similar thing here, trading DeYoung and O'Neill, guys that have been there since 2017. O'Neill on the year has two home runs, a 228 batting average, and a 620 OPS. He did hit 34 home runs in 2021. So he does have some power, even though he has had a down year in home runs with just two on the year. I think he's going to be traded at the deadline. I have a green light here on Tyler O'Neill, and I have him being traded to the Milwaukee Brewers at the trade deadline. So next up is Salvador Perez, longtime catcher for the Kansas City Royals. I have a yellow light on Salvador Perez. He still has signed through 2025 with the 2026 team option. Also has a no-trade clause as well. He has 15 home runs on the year with a 255 batting average, a 40 RBI total, and a 738 OPS. A longtime Royal since 2011 would really shake up the franchise if they were to deal him, but I think they could shop him and maybe see if they got the right return back that they trade him. Ultimately, I think he ends up staying in Kansas City, but with the right return, maybe he is traded, so I have a yellow light on Perez. Next up is Brent Rooker, a first baseman and outfielder for the Oakland Athletics. He still has four more years of control in his contract. So I'm going to go red light here on Brent Rooker. I do not think he's going to be moved. He has 16 home runs on the year, a 239 batting average, 44 runs batted in, and an 800 OPS. He was selected off waivers in November from Kansas City. Kansas City cut him, threw him on the waiver wire, and then he's picked up by Oakland 
on waivers. He has been great in Oakland. Was an all-star this year for them. Their only all-star selection and a first-time all-star selection for a rookie. Had a great season there so far in Oakland. I do think he ends up staying in Oakland. I have a red light on him. Next up is Randall Grigic, an outfielder for the Colorado Rockies. I have a green light on Grigic. He is a free agent at the end of the season. Has a 300 batting average on the year with five home runs, 22 runs batted in, and an 837 OPS. He hit 19 home runs last year, so he still has some pop in his bat. He's 31 years old, turning 32. I have him being traded at the deadline. I have him going to the New York Yankees, so I have a green light on Grigic. Next up is Jock Peterson, an outfielder for the San Francisco Giants. He's a free agent at the end of the year, but San Francisco right now is 54-42. and They're one and a half games back of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I do not see them trading Jock Peterson, especially since this team could definitely make somewhat of a run. They do have to fix their offense, but I do think this team is capable, if they do have an aggressive trade deadline, of making a run in the NL. I have a red light on Jock Peterson. He has eight home runs on the season, a two thirty five batting average, 32 runs batted in, and a 778 OPS. I think San Francisco is going to be aggressive at the deadline. I think they hold on to a lot of their core pieces to try to make a run this year. This team's been trying to make a run over the last few years in free agency, trying to get Carlos Correa, trying to get Aaron Judge. Ultimately, San Francisco does not get either of those players in free agency. I do think this team's going to be aggressive at the trade deadline, so I don't see them trading any of their current pieces on this roster. I mean, they keep Jock Peterson for the end of the season. As I said, they're only a game and a half back right now of the Los Angeles Dodgers. So I'm going to go red light on Jock Peterson. He hasn't had that great of a season, but I think they keep him through the end of the season. So next up is Yasmani Grandal, a catcher for the Chicago White Sox. I have a green light on Grandal. He's on an expiring deal, and I think Chicago is going to be a major fire sale at the deadline. Grandal has five 20-plus home run seasons in his career. He has seven home runs this year with a 250 batting average and a 697 OPS. He's a two-time All-Star. I have him being traded at the deadline. I have him going to the New York Yankees. The Yankees are looking to add a catcher, especially with the Jose Trevino injury just being reported that he's out for the rest of the season. They need a catcher in that lineup. I have Grandal being traded to the Yankees. Next up is CJ Crone, a first baseman for the Colorado Rockies. He's on an expiring deal as well. He has 10 home runs on the year, a 251 batting average, 29 runs batted in, and a 762 OPS. He hit 29 and 28 home runs in each of the last two full seasons heading into this year. He still has some power in his bat, has 10 home runs this year, not 29 to 28 like he had the last two years, but he can definitely get hot and be a streaky hitter and hit home runs. I have him being traded at the deadline. I have him going to the Milwaukee Brewers. I was close to San Diego, but I ended up going with Milwaukee. Next up is Elias Diaz, a catcher for the Colorado Rockies. He still has one more year of control in his contract. They may wait to see if they get a good offer on him, so I'm going to go yellow light here on Diaz. I don't think he's moved. I'm going to go yellow light unless they get a really good offer that they can't refuse. He has nine home runs on the season, a 265 batting average, 45 runs batted in, a 734 OPS, and was the all-star game MVP this year. I think Diaz stays in Colorado. Hunter Renfro, an outfielder for the Los Angeles Angels. He's on an expiring deal. 15 home runs, a 244 batting average, and a 741 OPS on the year. I think his situation in Anaheim right now is a wait-and-see deal, and that's why I think he's going to be a yellow light at the trade deadline. I think the Angels will end up keeping him, but it's a wait-and-see how they perform over the next week or so to see whether or not they want to be a full fire sale at the deadline and trade Aaron Loop and maybe even consider trading Shohei Otani. We'll see what the Angels do. I'm going to go yellow light on Renfro. It's a wait-and-see situation. I think he ends up staying 
in Anaheim, though, with how easy of a schedule they have going into the trade deadline. They're going to have some momentum going into the trade deadline, and then they are going to have a really tough month after the trade deadline's over with a lot of tough opponents. But I think this team is capable, and hopefully they have Mike Trout and Brandon Jury back in the lineup in the next month. Anthony Rendon is going to be out for some time as well. Hopefully he's back in an Angels uniform pretty soon healthy, even though he's been a major disappointment in his career in Anaheim. And then also Logan O'Hoppy. The starting catcher for them at the beginning of the season, a rookie that had a very hot start to the season, looked really good for them, was hurt at the beginning of the season, supposed to miss four to six months. Maybe he's back by the end of the season. We'll see what happens at Anaheim. But I think they're going to end up not being a major sell at the deadline. I think Renfro stays in Anaheim through the trade deadline. Next up is Juan Soto and Ophelia for the San Diego Padres. He's still under control for another year. I think San Diego does trade him at some point, but I don't think it's at this trade deadline. Soto on the year of 17 home runs, a 264 batting average, and a 907 OPS. I think San Diego will move him at some point. He's going to want a monster contract, especially with the one he denied from the Washington Nationals last year in July before they traded him. The Padres are already spending a lot of money on Yu Davish, Xander Bogats, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, just to name a few. So I don't think they're going to end up paying Juan Soto a monster contract. That's why I think he'll be traded. But obviously, maybe San Diego wants to trade him now and get a little bit more value for him. I think that's definitely a possibility since if you trade him right now, you're trading a year and a half of Juan Soto for a team to make a postseason run with him this year. I do think it's a red light, though. I think San Diego ends up not being a major sell at the deadline. I think they keep Juan Soto, so I have a red light here on Soto and the San Diego Padres. Next up is Tommy Famine outfielder for the New York Mets. He's on an expiring deal, having a very good season, though, for the Mets. A 274 batting average of nine home runs, an 838 OPS, 35 runs batted in, and 11 stone bases. I think he is traded at the deadline, and I have him going to the Seattle Mariners, a team that definitely needs to add offense. They have a 700-team OPS on the year, which is 23rd in the major leagues. Hopefully, Tommy Pham could help them out at the deadline if he is traded there. I think Seattle could definitely go and try to make a big move and maybe try to get a guy like Cody Bellinger to help out that offense, but I think they're going to go a little bit under the radar here and not be a heavy buyer at the trade deadline like they were last year, landing Luis Castillo. So I have Tommy Pham going to Seattle. A little bit of a smaller deal, but... I don't think Seattle is really capable of making a big run in the postseason. So that's why I don't think they're going to be a major buyer at the deadline. I don't think they're going to really sell their entire farm system to try to make a run this year. They're trying to keep their prospects for the future. And that's why I don't think they're going to go and get a big name like Cody Bounder. So next up is Mark Hanna. I'm going to go green light on Mark Hanna, just like I went green light on Tommy Pham. Another outfielder for the New York Mets on an expiring deal. Canna on the year, six home runs, a 241 batting average with a 732 OPS, 28 RBIs, and seven stolen bases. I have him being moved at the deadline. I have him landing in Milwaukee with the Brewers. Next up is Aloy Jimenez, an outfielder for the Chicago White Sox. He still has one more year of control on his contract. He's not a free agent until 2025. So whatever team is trading for him is getting a year and a half of his power at the plate. He has 12 home runs on the year with a 269 batting average, 40 runs batted in, and a 776 OPS. Brings a lot of power to play and definitely going to have a big hit in the postseason. I have him being dealt at the trade deadline as a green light. And I have him going to the San Diego Padres. They need a power bat in that lineup, maybe as a DH. And Jimenez could definitely be that for them. Next up is Wilson Contreras, a catcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. He just signed a five-year, $87.5 million deal in the offseason as a free agent. He's not a free agent until 2028 now under that new deal. On the year, he has 11 home runs, 37 runs batted in, and 752 OPS. I think Contreras definitely could be a trade target for some teams, maybe like the Yankees, since they are interested in getting a catcher. But I think you're still going to have to get a good return back if you're the St. Louis Cardinals, since he still has another four years left on that deal after the season ends. He's not a free agent, as I said, until 2028. So I'm going to go yellow light here on Wilson Contreras. 
Next up is Jay McCandelario, a corner infielder for the Washington Nationals. I have him going to the Cleveland Guardians at the trade deadline. He's a free agent after this year ends. I think Washington sees him as an expiring deal that they're not going to bring back, so why not trade him and get some value back, some prospects maybe for the future since they're really building for two to three years down the line from now. I have him being moved, as I said, to Cleveland. They need a power bat in that lineup. They need offense. They need big bats. On the year, Candelario has 15 home runs, 46 runs batted in, a 259 batting average, and an 819 OPS. I have him moving to Cleveland at the deadline. As I said, Cleveland does need more offense in that lineup, and I think Washington is in full sell mode since they're trying to build for the future. So I have a green light there on Candelario. Next up is another Washington National, and I have Lane Thomas, an outfielder for them, as a yellow light. He's still under contract for another two seasons. He's not a free agent until 2026, so I don't think he's moved at the deadline. I think I'm going to go with yellow light here on Lane Thomas. He has 15 home runs on the year, 51 runs batted in, a 290 batting average, and an 819 OPS. I think he ends up staying with Washington. Next up is Tommy Edmond, a second baseman, shortstop, and center fielder for the St. Louis Cardinals. He still has two more years of control left on his deal. And even though he is hurt right now, he still is a big trade commodity on the market. He's hitting 237 on the year with seven home runs and a 693 OPS. If he is moved to the deadline, which I'm not really too sure if it's going to happen or not, maybe Tampa Bay is the team that goes and gets him. I know I said Yuan Mankato was a yellow light for the Chicago White Sox. And he was a piece that I thought Tampa Bay could go and get at the deadline to help them at second base. I think Edmund would be a better fit there. So I have Edmund going to Tampa Bay if he is ultimately moved to the deadline, but it is a yellow light. Since he still has two years left on his deal, I'm sure St. Louis is going to want a good return back. He's a good player that can play multiple positions, very versatile defender as well. So they're going to want a good return back. I'm going to go yellow light on Edmund, yellow light on Lane Thomas. So there's a summary there of all of the big hitters that I think could be traded at the deadline. Obviously, there's going to be more guys in the move, but this is just a list of guys that are being shopped right now and there are heavy rumors around. So I'm going to give you a whole breakdown of the pitches now. I'm going to get into the pitches just like I did with the batters. Same thing, red light, yellow light, green light. We're going to start off with Shane Bieber. I have a yellow light on Shane Bieber, a right-handed pitcher for the Cleveland Guardians. He still has one more year of control left on his current deal. He has a 5-6 and six record on the year with a 3.77 ERA, 95 strikeouts, and 117 innings pitched. He was the 2020 Cy Young winner in the American League. He hasn't really been the exact same pitcher, though. He has been struggling with injuries over the last few years. I still think... Cleveland will end up holding on to him, but they could maybe trade him if they get the right return back. But I have a yellow light on Bieber. I think he stays as a guardian. Next up is Jack Flaherty, a right-handed pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. I think St. Louis is going to be a complete fire sale. As I said, Flaherty is a free agent after this year ends, so he is likely to be moved. He has a 7-5 record on the year with a 4.29 ERA with 96 strikeouts and 98 two-thirds innings pitched. He has been healthier this year than he has in most of the last few seasons. He's been struggling with injuries over the last couple years. I think he is traded at the deadline. I have him going to the Toronto Blue Jays. Next up, Dylan Cease, right-handed pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. I have a red light here on Dylan Cease. I don't think he's moved. He still has two more years of control there for the Chicago White Sox. I don't think they're really going to want to trade him unless they got a crazy return back. I don't think they end up moving him. He has a 4-3 record on the year with a 4.18 ERA and 129 strikeouts and 107.2 innings pitched. I think he ends up staying in Chicago, so I'm going to go red light on Dylan Cease. He is a big name on the market right now. I know a lot of teams are interested in him and in reaching out. I think he'd be a great fit for the Orioles. I know they want a top-end starter, but I don't think he's going to be traded. I think Chicago would want too much back in return. I think Baltimore, even though they are going to try to shop at the deadline, I think they're going to buy, but maybe not be a heavy buy and go trade for Dylan Cease. 
I don't think they want to give up their prospects they have for the future. So I think they end up waiting for free agency to get a big top end of the rotation starter. Maybe they get a guy that's like a two-starter that they make their number one in their rotation. We'll see what happens here in Baltimore. But I think Cease will look pretty good in an Orioles uniform. But I do not think he has moved. As I said, I'm going to go red light on Dylan Cease. Next up is another red light, and that's Alex Cobb, a right-handed pitcher for the San Francisco Giants. He is on an expiring deal, but with San Francisco just a game and a half back of the Dodgers, I don't think it's really worth trading for them a big piece of their rotation. Cobb was an all-star this year. He's been very good for San Francisco the last couple seasons. He has a 6-2 record this season with a 2.82 ERA, 91 strikeouts, and 95.2 innings pitched with a 1.317 whip. I don't think he has moved. I think he ends up staying in San Francisco. Maybe they get him a contract extension after the year ends. Next up is Blake Snell, another red light here, a left-handed pitcher for the San Diego Padres. He has a 6-8 record on the year with a 2.67 ERA and 143 strikeouts and 108 innings pitched. I'm going to go red light on Blake Snell, even though he is a big trade rumor right now on the market that he could ultimately be dealt, just like Josh Hader and maybe Juan Soto. I don't think San Diego is going to trade any of those three pieces. I'm going to go red light on Blake Snell. In his last 11 starts, he's a .71 ERA with a 167 batting average against him. A 5-2 record in those 11 starts with 95 strikeouts and 63 innings pitched to go along with just five earned runs in his last 63 innings in those 11 starts. I don't think he has moved. I think San Diego is going to try to keep their pieces and maybe try to make a big Hill Mary postseason run here. They did just take two of three against Toronto, so we'll see if that is a start of a run for them to turn things around. Next up is Lucas Giolito, a right-handed pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. That's a green light on Giolito. He's a free agent after the year ends. All signs point to him being moved. He's a 6-6 six six record with a 3.96 ERA on the year with 122 strikeouts and 116 innings pitched. He just had a really bad outing against the Mets, giving up eight runs in 3.2 innings pitched. I do think he's traded at the deadline, though. And I have the Los Angeles Dodgers getting another pitcher in the rotation and getting him at the deadline. I think it could be a package deal of Tim Anderson and Lucas Giolito, just like the Dodgers did a couple seasons ago, landing Trey Turner, a star shortstop, and then landing Max Scherzer, a star ace, in a deal with the Washington Nationals at the trade deadline a couple years ago. I think they could do the same thing with Giolito and Tim Anderson. Next up is Kyle Hendricks, a right-handed pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. Yet again, another green light, just like Giolito. Hendricks, a 33-year-old veteran, is a free agent after this season ends. He has a 3-4 record on the year with a 3.38 ERA, 42 strikeouts, and 64 innings pitched. He's only made 11 starts this year, so he has battled some injuries. I do think he is traded at the deadline, and I have him going to the Los Angeles Angels. They could definitely use him in the rotation, and maybe they don't have to give back a crazy return since there is... Only a half year of Hendricks left in this contract. Is a free agent after this year ends. Even though Chicago isn't completely out of the playoffs, I do think they are a fire sale at the deadline. I think this team, even though they do have some star players and some good talent, this team is not capable of making a big run in the postseason. That's why I think they're best to make some big trades at the deadline and get rid of Hendricks. I have the Angels landing him at the deadline on August 1st. Next up is Michael Lorenzen, a right-handed pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. I have a green light on Lorenzen. He has a 4-6 record of the 3.75 ERA on the year. He has an expiring contract. I think he has moved at the deadline, and I have him going to the Arizona Diamondbacks, a team that definitely needs starting pitching, and they definitely need some depth in that starting rotation, whether or not the pitch is great or not, which Lorenzen's had a very good year. They need just depth in that rotation. If you add a guy like Lorenzen, who's also good and it's also adding depth, that's the best of both worlds there for Arizona. I have them going getting Lorenzen at the deadline. Next up is Jordan Hicks. A green light on Hicks, a right-handed pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. He's a reliever who has a 1-6 record on the year with a 3.76 ERA. He's on an expiring deal. 
I have him being traded at the deadline, and I have him going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think the Dodgers will be a little bit more aggressive than most people are giving them credit for right now. I think this team is definitely capable of winning this upcoming season, but they have a lot of talent coming up through their farm system in the next few years. So I don't think they're really going to mortgage their entire future to go and try to make a run this year, but I do think they try to get guys on expiring contracts like Jordan Hicks, like Lucas Giolito, like Tim Anderson. I think they ultimately go and get some help in their bullpen and then maybe even add to their starting rotation. So I would love to see Jordan Hicks in a Dodgers uniform at the trade deadline. Next up is Lance Lynn, a right-handed pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. Yet again, another green light on the White Sox. Lance Lynn's on an expiring deal. He struggled this season, though, with a 6-8 record, the 6.06 ERA. He does have 133 strikeouts and 108.1 innings pitched. 133 strikeouts is a lot especially in only 108 and a third innings pitched. He has a 1.431 whip on the year. He had a 3.26 ERA in each of the previous two seasons before this year in Chicago. He has struggled this year, though. I do think he has moved at the deadline, and I have the Cincinnati Reds adding to their rotation and getting him in the next 10 days. Next up is Daniel Bod, a right-handed pitcher for the Colorado Rockies. The Rockies still have another year of control of Bod, so if they do move him, they're going to have to get a good return back since he is a very good reliever. He's been unreal the last two seasons since reviving his career in Colorado. On the year, he has a 3-1 record with a 2.14 ERA with 29 strikeouts and 33 two-thirds innings pitched. I do think he's moved to the deadline. I have him going to the Los Angeles Angels. They need help in that bullpen next to Carlos Estevez. I think he'd be a great move there, adding loop. Bud and Estevez in the same bullpen rotation, that would be huge. I think this Angels team will definitely be a lot more of a buy than people are giving credit for. I think they see one last run with Shohei Otani, especially with their easy schedule going to the deadline. I think it gives Adi Moreno an excuse not to trade Shohei Otani, and that's why I think they're going to be a little bit more of buyers than people are expecting. And obviously adding a guy like Bud would definitely be huge for their bullpen. Speaking of the Angels' bullpen, the next player I'm going to talk about is Carlos Estevez, a right-handed pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels. Their closer, who's had a very good season, a 3-1 record with a 2.13 ERA, 21 saves, and a 1.263 whip, with 45 strikeouts and 38 innings pitched. He still has another year left of control, so I don't think the Angels are going to want to trade him. I think it's a wait-and-see approach, see how they perform over the next week, and see if they get an offer that they can't deny. I think he ends up staying, though, with the Angels. Next up is Brad Keller, a right-handed pitcher for the Kansas City Royals. He's on an expiring contract. He's on a rehab assignment right now. His last outing in the MLB was May 15th, so he's been out for a couple months. He has a 3-4 record on the season with a 4.36 ERA, 31 strikeouts and 43 to thirds innings pitched in nine starts. I think he is traded at the deadline, and I have him going to the San Diego Padres. So a green light on Keller and a yellow light on Estevez, a green light on Bud. Just to round up what I said over the last few guys, next up is Paul Blackburn, a right-handed pitcher for the Oakland A's. He still has two more years of control. I'm going to go with yellow light on Blackburn. He has a 1-2 record on the year with a 5.48 ERA, 44 strikeouts and 42 and two-thirds innings pitch with a 1.594 whip. I think he is ultimately traded. That's why I have him going to the Miami Marlins as my prediction. I have a yellow light, though, just in case they end up wanting to keep him since he still has two years left of control. He was pretty good last year with a 4.28 ERA and a 7-6 record. He was an all-star selection for Oakland last season. But I have him being moved. I have him going to Miami. They do need depth in their rotation. And Blackburn definitely helped them there. So we'll see what happens there. I have a yellow light on him for now. I do think he has moved, though, at the deadline. Next up is Aaron Loop, a left-handed pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels. He's on an expiring deal. I think it's a wait-and-see scenario here for the Angels. He's a 1-2 record on the year with a 5 ERA, 26 strikeouts, and 27 innings pitched, the 1.55 whip overall on the season. His last 17 outings, though, have been really good. 18 strikeouts and 16 to two-thirds innings pitched with a 3.24 ERA. He's looked a lot better as of late. 
I think if the Angels do sell, I think he goes to the Arizona Diamondbacks, but I do think they end up holding on to him just in case they do make a run of the postseason. I think it's a wait-and-see scenario. If they're not in a good position 10 days from now, I think he's moved, and I think it's Arizona if he is sent away. Next up is Marcus Stroman, right-handed pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. He's on an expiring deal, two years, $50 million. He signed a couple years ago as a free agent. Has had a marvelous season for the Cubs. A 10-6 record, the 2.88 ERA, 101 strikeouts and 118 two-thirds innings pitched with a 1.087 whip overall in the season. He was an all-star this year as well for Chicago. Was looking really good all season for them. I think he's traded at the deadline. I was thinking Baltimore, but I have Baltimore landing another pitch. I'm going to talk about it in just a second. So no Stroman to Baltimore in my predictions, but I have him going to the San Francisco Giants at the deadline. I wanted to say Baltimore, but I have them picking up another green light candidate, and that is Jordan Montgomery, a left-handed pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. He's on an expiring deal, a 6-7 and seven record with a 3.14 ERA on the year, 101 strikeouts and 109 in the third innings pitched. Montgomery also has a 1.229 whip on the season. He was traded from the New York Yankees to the St. Louis Cardinals at the deadline last year for Harrison Bader. Looks really good at the end of the season last year for St. Louis and has had a decent season for them this year as well with the 3.14 ERA. He definitely would help that Baltimore rotation probably becomes their number one starter, even though he's probably number two or three in most rotations. Ends up being their number one. He's had a very good season, though, and I would understand if Baltimore went and traded for him since they want to make a run this season. I think this team is very capable of making a run in the American League. Next up is James Paxton. I have a red light on Paxton, left-handed pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. I think he's going to be held in Boston through the end of the season. He is a free agent after this season is over, though. He's a 5-2 record of a 3.51 ERA, 68 strikeouts and 59 innings pitched. He has had his best ERA since 2017. He's looked awesome all season for the Sox. I think the Sox are going to hold on to him just like they're going to hold on to some of their other pieces like Justin Turner, like Kenley Jansen, like Chris Martin because they have Trevor Story coming back, Chris Sale coming back at some point, Garrett Whitlock, Tim Hoke, and John Schreiber all expected to be back in their rotation and lineup at some point soon. So I don't think they're going to be a sell at the deadline. I think they're going to be buyers, and that's why I don't think Paxton will be moved. Paxton's been great this season, so it would be tough for the Sox to move him. But maybe we'll wait and see how the Sox do over the next 10 days or so. But I think this Red Sox team is capable of beating Minnesota or Cleveland in the wild card round. So I think they're going to end up being buyers at the deadline. Next up, Max Scherzer, right-handed pitcher for the New York Mets. I'm going to go yellow light here for Max Scherzer. If I was the Mets front office, though, I would definitely trade either Scherzer or Justin Verlander at the deadline. I think that would be the smartest thing for them to do. I think this team is not capable of turning things around right now and making a run in the postseason. I would sell one of those guys at the deadline, especially with all the money they're going to get over the next year. Scherzer still has one more year left on his deal at $43 million. He has an 8-3 record on the year with a 3.99 ERA, 107 strikeouts and 94 and two-thirds innings pitched with a 1.183 whip. He's a three-time sell young winner, definitely still is capable of being an ace for a team, but I don't think the Mets should keep Verlander and Scherzer on the same rotation. I would ship one of them away. I'm going to go with yellow light on Scherzer and a yellow light on Verlander as well. I'll get to Verlander in just a minute, but I would ship one of those two players away if I was in the Mets front office at the deadline. Next up is David Robinson, a right-handed pitcher for the New York Mets. I'm going to go green light here on David Robinson. He's a free agent after the year is over. He has a 4-2 record with a 2.13 ERA and 13 saves on the year. 
I think he's a great trade candidate for the Mets. I don't think they can bring him back after the year's over, especially with Edwin Diaz being back after the season's over. Edwin Diaz suffered that major knee injury before the start of the season, unfortunately, in the World Baseball Classic. It really hurt the Mets' chances going into the season. Even though it was just one injury, it definitely was not a great start to the season. It definitely lowered expectations just slightly, even though I still thought that team was capable of winning the World Series. But when you lose your closer, you just signed a big deal with before the start of the season, and you lose him in that fashion before the season even began, after giving him all that money in the offseason, the most money for a reliever in MLB history, with a five-year, $102 million contract, that's just brutal. That's just brutal luck, and that's why I feel bad for the Mets. It's really just a tough situation to lose your closer at the beginning of the season and then have all the injuries they've dealt with this season, like Max Scherzer being hurt, like Justin Verlander being hurt at different times. It's just been tough for the Mets this season. That's why I think they can sell some of their expiring contracts and get some value back and try to build for the future. So I think David Robinson would be a great candidate for them to trade. And I think a good trading spot for him would be the Tampa Bay Rays. That's where I have him going at the deadline. Next up is Ryan Helsley, a right-handed pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm going to go yellow light on Helsley. I don't think he's going to be moved. He still has two more years of control. He was an all-star last season. He is hurt right now, though. 3-4 3-4 record on the year with a 3.24 ERA, a 1.16 whip with 33 strikeouts and 25 innings pitched. If he is moved, I'm going to say Philadelphia, but I think he's unlikely to be shipped in the next week or so. Next up is Justin Verlander, right-handed pitcher for the New York Mets. I'm going to go with a yellow light on Verlander, just like I went with Scherzer. I think one of those guys should be moved. And if I was part of the Mets front office, I would be advocating for that right now, saying that they should trade one of Scherzer or Verlander. I think they ultimately probably end up keeping both of them since they would have to chew a lot of money to trade either one of those guys, especially with both those guys getting $43 million next season. They both still have one more year left on their current deals. Verlander, 4-5 record on the year with 3.47 ERA, 70 strikeouts and 83 innings pitched. If they get a pretty good return offer and have to chew a little bit of money, I think the Mets definitely could end up trading one of those two guys. If the Mets have to chew a lot of money and not get the best return back of prospects or major league talent, then they'll probably end up keeping Scherzer and Verlander if they don't get the right return back. But if I was in that Mets front office, I think it would be smart to trade one of those two guys. Next up is Rich Hill, left-handed pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's a free agent at the end of the year, a 7-9 record with a 4.84 ERA in the season. To go along with 94 strikeouts and 109 and two-thirds innings pitched, I would like to see the Red Sox trade for him. I think he'd be a great fourth man in the rotation for them. They can't really survive with the three-man rotation right now, and that's why I think the Red Sox at the deadline makes the most sense to get Rich Hill back as a reunion. He looked very good at the end of last season for the Red Sox. I was upset that he left in the offseason and thought the Red Sox definitely should have offered him a contract to get him back in a Sox uniform. I had the pleasure of meeting him actually in Chris Cotillo's class at BC, Chris Cotillo of MassLive.com, Red Sox beat writer. I actually took a class with him at BC this past fall, and Rich Hill came in It was such a great guy, really cool to meet him and be able to talk with him. And he got to talk to the entire class, answered a lot of questions for us, and made it a lot easier for us to understand the relationship between the players and the media in the sports world. So it was great meeting him, and I always wanted to root for him. Even before I met him, I was a big fan of him. Then when you get to meet him and you get to see how nice a guy is, you root for him even more. Would love to see the Red Sox trade back for him. That's where I have him landing at the trade deadline. Another reunion in Boston, not too far from where he grew up in Milton, Massachusetts. This would actually be his fourth stint with the Boston Red Sox if they were to get him the deadline, and I would be the biggest fan of that move. Next up is Adam Ottavino. 
I have a green light on Ottavino, right-handed pitcher for the New York Mets. He has an 0-4 record on the year with a 3.66 ERA, 38 strikeouts and 39 and thirds innings pitched. He has a 1.195 whip overall on the season. He's on an expiring contract. I think this Mets team would be smart to trade him at the deadline, especially with the direction of this team. I don't think they're going to make a run in the postseason. I have him being traded at the deadline, and I have him going to the San Diego Padres. Next up is Eduardo Rodriguez, another green light, so three green lights in a row, Rich Hill, Ottavino, and Eduardo Rodriguez. All three of them were Red Sox pitches at one point in their career, which is really interesting. Eduardo Rodriguez, left-handed pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. He still has three more years on his contract, but has an opt-out after this year is over. I think Detroit is worried that he's going to be gone as a free agent after he opts out. So I was actually at a red light for Eduardo Rodriguez at first when I saw three years left on his deal. But then when I heard he has an opt-out, I ended up changing it to green. I think Detroit thinks he's going to leave and they're not going to be able to keep him in free agency. He's had a great season, 6-5 and five record, the 2.69 ERA, and 88 strikeouts and 83 and two-thirds innings pitched. I have him being traded, and I have him going to the Houston Astros at the deadline. Next up is Shohei Otani, two-way player for the Los Angeles Angels. He's a free agent after this year is over. It's a wait-and-see scenario probably for the Angels. They're going to want top prospects back in return and maybe even some current major league talent as well. I think they're going to end up keeping him. They have an easy schedule going into the trade deadline. I think they have some momentum, maybe even chip away at the wildcard race there to try to make it a little bit closer. And maybe Adi Moreno will get an excuse saying we're not too far in the wildcard. Let's keep Shohei for an extra half a season. I think if they trade Shohei Otani, that means he's not going to be back with the Angels no matter what. I think if you trade him, you're not going to get him back in free agency, even though the chances right now are very slim, even with him on the Angels, that he's going to come back on a new contract. If you do trade him, the chances are even lower. It's zero. Right now, I'd give the Angels a 5 to 10% chance that they get Otani back as a free agent this offseason. I'll say 10%, just to be a little more positive and give them a little bit more hope. But I don't think it's really high. They don't really have a high chance of bringing him back as a free agent. And that's what I think they worry about, not getting anything back in return for him. And maybe it's a wait-and-see scenario to see if they fail before the trade deadline and end up trading him just because they're too far out. But I don't think this team wants to trade him. I think they want to make a run. And that's why I think they're going to end up keeping him and not moving him at the deadline. Otani's been electric this season both ways. 35 home runs, a 306 batting average, 76 runs batted in, and also 11 stolen bases with a 1075 OPS. Then you look at him on the mound, a 7-5 record with a 3.5 ERA, 139 strikeouts, and 105 and a third innings pitched. He's been unreal this season. I don't think the Angels want to trade him. He's the modern-day Babe Ruth, and if you do trade him at the deadline, it does send a tough message to your fans saying, we kind of gave up on this season, and we're not going to get it back in free agency, even though you want to build for your future and end up making a smart decision saying, okay, we traded him, knowing he wasn't going to come back, and we got a great return back. That would be the smart thing to do. That's why if I was in the Angels' front office, I would say, offer him $650 million right now. If he declines it and says no, you know he's not going to come back as a free agent. Let's see how things play out before the trade deadline. If we're still six or seven games out, it might be a smart decision to trade him and get back a great return of prospects. So we'll see what happens there with the Angels. I think it's a wait-and-see scenario, but I do think they end up keeping him since they have a slightly easy schedule going into the trade deadline. Then after that, a very, very challenging schedule. But at the end of the day, you want to make a run with Shohei and try to make a run with Trout and Otani in the same lineup. Trout will be back at some point. That's why I think they're going to really try to keep Otani. I think the Angels front office is going to hang on to every single reason possible to keep Otani in an Angels uniform. I don't think Moreno's going to want to trade him, and that's why I see him staying with the Angels after the trade deadline. But one team that I think could potentially go and get him, that would be psyched to see, the Baltimore Orioles. That is my favorite destination for him at the trade deadline if he is moved. The Orioles need 
a top-end starter, and they need another power bat in that lineup. And Otani would fill both purposes and would bring a lot of life to that franchise, a franchise that has a lot of top prospects. I mean, this Orioles team could trade for anybody they want, just like the Los Angeles Dodgers. I don't think the Dodgers are going to trade for Otani. Adi Moreno probably never approve of a trade for Otani to the Dodgers. But for the Orioles, it's a different situation. That's why I think Moreno could maybe approve of a trade to Baltimore if things do end up going downhill before the trade deadline. Baltimore has eight top 100 prospects, including Jackson Holliday, the number one prospect in the game of baseball right now, and then seven other guys they have as well that they could offer. So we'll see what happens with the Angels and Otani, but I do think he ends up staying in L.A. through the trade deadline. So I'm going to go yellow light there on Otani. Next up is Joe Kelly, right-handed pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. I'm going to go green light here on Joe Kelly. He's on an expiring contract, has had an okay season in relief for the White Sox, a 1-4 record with a 4-8-2 ERA, 37 strikeouts and 28 innings pitched. I have him being traded to the San Francisco Giants. Next up, Josh Hader, left-handed pitcher, relief up for the San Diego Padres. I'm going to go red light on Josh Hader. I don't think he's going to be traded. He is a free agent at year's end, but I don't think he's going to be moved. He's been great this season for San Diego. A one ERA in 38 games with 54 strikeouts and 36 innings with 23 saves. He's been electric. I don't think they're going to want to move him. I think they're going to try to make a run with their current team. Next up is Liam Hendricks, right-handed pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. Another relief pitcher here. I think he is a green light. I do think he's going to be moved. He's a free agent at the end of the year, has a 5.4 ERA in five games this season, just three strikeouts in five innings. But Hendricks has one of the best stories in all of baseball over the last few years. He's a cancer survivor, made it back into the game, and is back on the mound, which is obviously a great story. He's given up just one earned run in his last four innings of relief. He's starting to get back on track. I have him being traded with the green light going to the Texas Rangers. Next up is Mike Clevenger, right-handed pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. 3-4 record on the year with a 3.88 ERA and a 1.356 whip. I have him being moved. I have a green light here on Clevenger. He's a free agent at the end of the year. I think Chicago's in full sell mode. I think he'll be moved, and I have him being traded to the Texas Rangers as well, just like Liam Hendricks. Next up is Aaron Savali, a right-handed pitcher for the Cleveland Guardians. He's not a free agent until 2026, so I don't see him being moved. I'm going to go yellow light, though. If the return is good enough, I think he could potentially be moved, but I don't think he's going to be. I think he's going to end up staying in Cleveland on the year, a 3-2 record with a 2.71 ERA and a 1.079 whip. Former Northeastern Husky has been doing pretty well in the majors over the last few years. Excited to see him continue to stay healthy, hopefully, and continue to do big things on the mound because when he's healthy... He could be a number two or number three starter for any team in the league. He's been on at points for the last few seasons. Then he's had injuries that have really derailed him, but he's been really good when he has been fully healthy on the mound. Next up is Jose Cisnero, a right-handed pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. I'm going to go green light here. He has a 2-2 record on the year with a 3.25 ERA and 40 strikeouts and 36 innings pitched. A free agent at the end of the year, Detroit is in full sell mode, just like the Chicago White Sox. I think Cisnero will be moved. I have him going to the Philadelphia Phillies. Next up, Kendall Graveman, right-handed pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. Yet again, another Chicago White Sox player that I'm getting traded. Green light here on Graveman. 3-4 record on the year with eight saves. He does have three blown saves. With 40 strikeouts and 41 innings pitched and a 3.07 ERA. He has one more year of control, but I think he is going to be moved. My trade destination for him is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Next up is Jose Quintana, left-handed pitcher for the New York Mets. He was hurt for most of the year, but just made his first start yesterday on the mound. 0-1 record with a 3.6 ERA now. Three strikeouts, no walks, and five innings pitched against Chicago White Sox. He still has one more year left on his deal. 
I'm going to go yellow light here on Quintana, but I do think that there is a potential chance he's dealt. I'm going to say 65% chance he's moved, and I'm going to go with the Atlanta Braves as his destination if he is indeed moved. So now let me break down just a couple things about what team needs what and give you guys a little bit of context as to why I had certain players going to certain destinations. Starting off with the Arizona Diamondbacks, they need rotation depth. They have a 4.69 starting ERA, which is 23rd in the game of baseball, and they need some bullpen help as well. So... In this scenario here, I have them getting Michael Lorenzen and Kendall Graveman. Both of those pitches would help their pitching staff right away. I think there's a chance they're going to be aggressive at the deadline to try to make a run. This team, no one really expects to be where they're at right now, and they definitely have a bright future as well. So I don't know if they're going to mortgage their entire future for a run right now, but they're definitely going to be looking at adding to their rotation in the bullpen, especially with how good they've been playing this season offensively. They definitely need pitching. That's what they need to add to their lineup. So I have them going and getting two pitches in Graveman and Lorenzen. And then I also said maybe Aaron Loop, if he is available for from the Angels, maybe there's a chance they go and get him. He's been pretty good for the Angels over the last month or so in his most recent outings. Next up is the Los Angeles Dodgers. They need a shortstop and bullpen help. Could also use some help in the starting rotation as well. With Walker Buehler being back at some point, that will definitely fill a void, but they do need to add probably one more starter in their rotation. Bobby Miller and Emmett Sheehan, though, have been great on the season. Young pitches, but have shown a lot of promise for them and definitely have a bright future in that Dodgers rotation. The Dodgers need a shortstop. They need some bullpen help. Currently, their bullpen has a 4.21 ERA, which is 19th in the game of baseball. And then their starting ERA is 17th in the game of baseball, 4.54. I think they're going to go and be aggressive at the deadline. Maybe not be as aggressive as he has passed. But I do think they're going to go and try to get some pieces to try to make a run this year. And then, obviously, they're built in this offseason to go and get some big-name free agents like Shohei Otani. That's where I think he's going to end up. The Dodgers didn't really do much this past offseason. They actually lost a lot of pieces this past offseason, including Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, Trey Turner, Chris Martin. They let a lot of pieces go over the last year. I think they're going to be aggressive in this year's free agency and go and get Shohei Otani. I don't think they're going to go and do it at the trade deadline, though, especially with Adi Moreno. I don't think he's going to want to trade Shohei Otani to the Los Angeles Dodgers. So here in my trade scenarios, I have the Dodgers picking up Lucas Giolito, Tim Anderson, and Jordan Hicks. I think if Hicks has moved, I think the Dodgers would be a great landing spot for him, and he'd be great in their bullpen. Next up is the Baltimore Orioles. They need a top-of-the-rotation guy. They're 18th right now in starting ERA with a 4.57 starting ERA on the season. I have them adding Jordan Montgomery at the trade deadline, and then I also said Shohei Otani would be my best destination for Shohei. If he is traded, I think there is a good chance Baltimore will be at the top of the list there. I think he would be great there in that Baltimore lineup and then also in their rotation to fill two needs in their rotation, and in their lineup, and add some power and strength to their hitting. Next up is the New York Yankees. They need a catcher, and they also need a corner outfielder. I think this team should be sellers, but I think they're going to be biased at the deadline. I have them adding Randall Grigic and Yasmani Grandal. Next up is the San Francisco Giants. They need to add to the rotation, could use some bullpen help, and maybe some help in the middle infield. They need some offense. A lot of people have Cody Bellinger going to the Yankees, the Houston Astros. I think the San Francisco Giants are going to be very aggressive. I have them adding Cody Bellinger to the deadline. I have them adding Paul DeYoung to help them in the middle of the infield. Then I have them adding Joe Kelly to help in their bullpen. And then Marcus Stroman, I have them also adding to help them in their starting rotation. That would be some big adds there. And this team's only a game and a half behind the Dodgers right now. So this team is still in the thick of things there in the NL West. Next up is the Texas Rangers. They need to add to the starting rotation and need another bullpen um, as well. I have them adding Liam Hendricks for their bullpen and Mike Clevenger to help them in their starting rotation. I think they also could go for Justin Verland or Max Scherzer. I would love to see one of those two guys on the Texas Rangers. I think this team is going to be aggressive. This team is very capable of winning the World Series this year. 
That's why I think they're going to be aggressive and try to land either Scherzer or Verlander. Definitely would help their rotation. It would be a big add for them in their postseason run. Next up is the Houston Astros. They need starting rotation help, and I have them adding Eduardo Rodriguez. Next up is the Los Angeles Angels. They need another bat. They definitely need to help Shohei Otani in the starting rotation. Reed Detmus has been pretty solid on the year, and then Patrick Sandoval has only given up two earned runs in his last two starts with 12.1 innings of work in those two stats. So he's looked pretty good as of late. And then they also need some consistency from Griffin Canning. He's been pretty good, though, in the last few stats as well. I have them adding Kyle Hendricks at the deadline and Daniel Bod. I think this team is going to try to make a run with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, with Mike Trout coming back from injury at some point soon, hopefully, and Brandon Drury as well. I think this team is going to go and be aggressive at the deadline and try to make a run with Otani on their roster since they probably expect him to be gone after this year is over. And with them still in the thick of things there in the AL Wildcard, I think it's tough to trade Otani when there's a chance they can make the playoffs. I know they have a tough schedule after the trade deadline's over, but at the end of the day, you still have to try, I think, if you're the Angels. You have to try. If you want to keep Otani, then you have to at least try to make a run in the postseason and keep him happy enough to want to come back. If you trade him, he's not coming back no matter what. Even if chances are slim right now, they're even less if you were to move him. Next up is San Diego Padres. They need another starter. They need some bullpen help and maybe need a power bat as well at the DH spot. So I have them adding Adam Adovino for their bullpen. I have them adding Brad Keller for their starting rotation. And then I have them adding Eloy Jimenez as a power bat for DH. Then the Philadelphia Phillies, they could use a corner outfielder that's a righty and then also another relief pitcher. I have them adding Andrew McCutcheon, Jose Cisnero, and then Ryan Helsley if he is moved by the St. Louis Cardinals. I wouldn't be surprised if they go after a big name like, let's say, Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander. I don't think the Phillies would ever be able to get one of those two guys from the Mets, though, with them being in the same division. I don't think the Mets would ever want to help them, but... If you look at it, Dombrowski is always in win-now mode, so I wouldn't be surprised if it goes after a big name to add to their rotation or in their starting lineup. You can never be shocked with him shopping farm system prospects. He always wants to win. He doesn't really care about the farm system. Next up is the Cincinnati Reds. They need another two starters. They have a 5.46 team ERA as a starting staff on the year, which is 28th in the game of baseball. I have them adding Lance Lynn at the deadline. Then the Milwaukee Brewers, they need a first baseman, definitely need some help at DH and in the outfield. They have a 26th ranked team OPS in the game of baseball, the 687 OPS. They need to add some power in that lineup, so I have them adding CJ Crone, Tyler O'Neill, and Mark Hanna. All three of those guys would help at all three of those spots I just named, first base, DH, and outfield. Next up is the Seattle Mariners. They have a 700-team OPS, which is 23rd in the game of baseball. They need to add offense. I don't think they're going to be heavily aggressive at the deadline. I don't think this team is capable of making a deep postseason run. I have them adding Tommy Pham, though, at the deadline. Next up is the Atlanta Braves. They need another starter as of now. Max Fried should be back soon, though. So I have them going and trading with the New York Mets and getting Jose Quintana. The Miami Marlins, they need starting pitching help. I have them going and getting Paul Blackburn if he is moved by Oakland. The Boston Red Sox, they need another starter. They have a 4.79 starting ERA in the game of baseball, which is 26th right now ranked. They need another bullpen up and need some health as well to guys like Chris Sale and Trevor Story. I think with those guys coming back in Whitlock, Hulk, Story, Sale, I think that's going to be huge for their rotation and in their lineup as well, getting Trevor Story back. Then you have also have John Schreiber coming back at some point very soon. I think this Red Sox team is capable of winning a series or two in the 
playoffs. I still think they make the playoffs. That's why I have them going and getting Rich Hill. It would definitely help their three-man rotation right now that they have. They'd only have to do one starter every single week rather than two. And then you'd also have all those guys coming back healthy at some point. So I think the Red Sox should be biased at the deadline. I think this team is capable of making a run, even if it's surprising most people in winning just one round. That would be huge at the end of the day, considering where this Red Sox team was around 500 for a lot of the season to make the playoffs and maybe win a series. That's huge. Next up is the Toronto Blue Jays. They need starting pitching. Alec Manoa, 2-8 on the year, the 6.18 ERA. Since being called back up from the minor leagues, he's made two starts and has eight strikeouts to five walks and a five ERA in those two starts. I think Toronto needs a starting pitcher, and I have them adding Jack Flaherty at the deadline. Next up is the Tampa Bay Rays. They need some bullpen help and need help at second base. I have them adding David Robinson from the New York Mets and then maybe Yohan Mankata from the Chicago White Sox if he is indeed moved. Next up is the Cleveland Guardians, the last team I'm going to mention. They need power in that lineup. They're actually worst in the MLB in home runs at 71. I have them adding Jamie Candelario at the deadline. So now it brings into the question, who do I think will be the most aggressive team at the deadline? I think Houston is the most aggressive team in the American League. I think they're going to go after a guy like Marcus Stroman or Cody Bellinger. Whether or not they land them, who knows. But I think they're going to be aggressive and try to land a big bat or a big arm. And then in the NL, I would say San Francisco, I think, is going to be the most aggressive team. I think if you look at this lineup, they're really struggling offensively, but they have a good bullpen and then some starting pitching that can help them win in the playoffs. I don't think this team is going to win the World Series, but I think this team is capable of making the playoffs and making a run. This team's been very... Uh, patient in trying to get a star player on their team. They've been looking to do so over the last couple of years, trying to get Carlos Correa, trying to get Aaron Judge. Neither one worked out. Obviously, is tough for the San Francisco front office. I think they're going to be aggressive at this deadline, and that's why I'm going and getting Cody Bellinger and getting Marcus Stroman as well. I could be way off with this. Maybe they're not going to be aggressive at all, but only being a game and a half out right now, from the Los Angeles Dodgers, just shows that they're still in the mix. So I think they're going to go and try to be aggressive at the deadline. And now the last question, who is the biggest fire sale in the MLB at the deadline? And I think it's a tie. There's so many tradable assets in expiring deals between the Chicago White Sox and St. Louis Cardinals. I'd say those two teams right there will be the biggest sellers at the deadline. The Chicago Cubs will be right in there as well with Marcus Stroman potentially being moved. Kyle Hendricks, Cody Bellinger, they have a lot of pieces they can move there. Maybe even Trey Mancini as well. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But I think all in all, teams that will be buyers but should be sellers... The New York Yankees are the first team that comes to my mind. I think they're going to be buyers and try and add to their current roster, try to make a run. But I don't think this team is really capable of doing so. And that's why I do worry about them being buyers at the deadline. They don't really have too many assets they would probably want to trade right now. But even with that, I wouldn't really give up any future assets to try to improve this team. I think this team is broken. I don't think they're going to really make a run in the American League. And another question I'm going to ask is, what teams are in the middle ground right now? And I think... The San Diego Padres, the Los Angeles Angels, the Boston Red Sox, three main teams that come to mind right there. I think they're all going to wait and see how they perform over the next week or so to depend whether or not, like San Diego, let's say if they want to go for a full hammer, they're going to see how they perform over the next week. I think the Red Sox should be buyers. I think Highland Bloom should be aggressive at the deadline in adding to this current roster. I don't want to give up the entire future and trade Marcelo Meyer and Nick York, but I would like to at least add to this team, add to the rotation a little, maybe add to the bullpen to try to make somewhat of a run in the American League playoff race. Then the Angels, I think this team's in the middle right now. I think they end up being buyers. There is a question of whether or not, even if they are close at the deadline, do you still rip it up and maybe trade Otani? I wouldn't do so, and that does bring into question. Is there a team that could be a seller but should be a buyer? I think it's the Los Angeles Angels. I would buy if I were them. Maybe not heavy, heavy buy at the deadline, 
But if you're only three games out of the playoff race when the trade deadline does roll around in 10 days, it's really hard to say let's trade Shohei Otani when you're still in the playoff mix. I know there's a tough schedule after the trade deadline is over, but at the same time, with Mike Trout hopefully coming back, maybe this team catches fire and just reverses all their luck from the last few seasons and just completely turns things around. You never know. I don't think anybody can ever say who's going to win the World Series here in mid-July. At the end of the day, it's a long season, 162 games. Usually the cream rises to the crop. And at the same time, it's all about getting hot at the right time going into the playoffs. So we'll see what the Angels do. I'm hoping Otani is still an Angel. I know it might not be the smartest decision for their future since he could just walk in free agency for nothing. And obviously that would be tough. But at the same time, if you do trade him, you're giving up the rights to Shohei forever. You're not going to get it back as a free agent. And then if you look at it, what if you do make a postseason run with him? You never know at the end of the day. Nobody's won the World Series right now in mid-July. It's 162 games for a reason. And then a long October as well of playoff games. So see what happens. And the point I made at the beginning of the episode was right now, mid-July and July 21st of 2023, the Red Sox are 51 and 46, the Angels are 49 and 48, and the Yankees are 50 and 47, with the Padres being 46 and 51, and the Mets being 45 and 51. If you look at the last few seasons, on July 21st, 2022, the Phillies were just six games over 500, 49 43. They won the NL. In 2021, on July 21st, the Braves were three games under 500 and they won the World Series. In 2019, on July 21st, the Washington Nationals were six games over 500 and won the World Series. Where are the Red Sox right now? Five games over 500. Where are the Angels right now? Just one game over 500. Where are the Yankees right now? Three games over 500. Where are the Padres right now? Five games under 500. And the Mets are six games under 500. This is just an example that anybody is capable of making a run. I named those teams the Red Sox, Mets, Angels, Yankees, and Padres since they're all kind of in the middle right now of figuring out what they want to do at the deadline. I think the Yankees will be buyers, even though I think they should be sellers. I think the Padres will be buyers. I think they're going to go for Hail Mary, even though I would probably trade maybe one of those main pieces they talked about, like Josh Hader or maybe Blake Snell, just to get something back in return. But we'll see. This team is capable, though, talent-wise, of making a run in the NL, so I would completely understand if they were a team that would go and buy at the deadline to try to make a run and maybe not sell even any of those pieces. The Mets, 45-51. They could be biased if they go for a full Hail Mary, but I would like the Mets to sell at the deadline. I think that would be the smartest thing to do. As for the Angels and the Red Sox, I think the Red Sox right now are positioned right now to try to go and make a run in the postseason. You have Whitlock, Hulk, Sale, Story, Schraub all coming back soon. And then you do have some expiring contracts you could trade. James Paxton, Justin Turner's on a player option after this year is over. Adam Duvall could be traded. He's on expiring deal. Kike Hernandez is on expiring deal. He could be moved. And if you look at Trevor Story coming back soon, the Red Sox have to make a decision on Christian Arroyo, Kike Hernandez, Yu Chang. They're going to have to make a decision on those guys. Emmanuel Valdez, they're going to have to make a decision on Hernandez, Arroyo, and Chang. So they're going to have to try to figure things out. But I do think with their expiring deals, James Paxton, Justin Turner, Adam Duvall, that definitely would be three pieces right there teams would be interested in that are playoff teams right now. And then they have a year and a half of control of the rest of this season and next of Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin, and Alex Verdugo, along with Nick Pavetta, who's been great out of the bullpen, and then Chris Sale, who has a club option for 2025 at $25 million a year. But if you look at it, I think the Red Sox have a lot of attractive players right there that teams would want and try and get on that team for postseason run. But at the same time, the Red Sox should keep those guys. The Red Sox right now have five games over five hundred. Where last year, the Phillies were six games over 500 on this date of July 21st, 2022. So at the end of the day, I would keep those guys on the Red Sox. 
like James Paxton, like Kenley Jansen, like Chris Martin, like Alex Verdugo, who I think should get uh, an extension very soon, and then like Nick Pavetta, maybe even give Brian Bayo an extension, even though they're not going to trade Brian Bayo, but I'd give Brian Bayo an extension pretty soon. He's looked great, and maybe save some money by giving him an extension early rather than later. So we'll see what happens here with the Red Sox. I think they will be biased at the deadline, even though they are in the middle grounds right now. If things do go south before the deadline, maybe they do end up selling or are in the middle like they were last season, where they keep Bogats, Avaldi, and keep J.D. Martinez on their roster, but end up not really making a run and still missing the playoffs. I think this team should be smarter this year and either go fully in or fully out, buy at the deadline or sell at the deadline. I think this team should be biased. And then one of the team that I did just mention, the Angels, they do have attractive players that they could trade at the deadline. Shohei Otani, obviously the biggest name on the market, the modern-day Babe Ruth. It would be like trading Babe Ruth back in the day if you trade his talent. You're going to have to get back a boatload of prospects in return and a ton of talent to get Otani on your roster, even if it's only for half a season. Hunter Renfro's on expiring deal. Carlos Estevez, I believe, has one more year left after this year's over. And then Matt Moore, who's been a great leader for the Angels, a 1.44 ERA, a .8 whip with 21 strikeouts and 25 innings pitched. He could be an attractive trade piece as well if the Angels do end up making the decision to sell at the deadline. Right now, they're in the middle grounds, like the Red Sox, like the Padres, like the Mets. But I think the Angels and the Red Sox should both be buyers at the deadline. Anyways, that will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it and hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.